All right, so good morning, everybody. Glad to have everyone here this morning. So last time we left off with, we had just done question five, and if you remember, that was verses 12 through 17. Uh, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and feeble knees, you know, talking about revitalizing our spirits and pursuing peace with all people, so forth and etc. So we're really, and we answered question number five, so we're really ready for the next verses, which is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 21. We're in Hebrews chapter 12. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore for they could not endure what was commanded and if so much as a beast touches the mountain it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow and so terrifying was the sight that Moses said I am exceedingly afraid and trembling so you might remember all of that from Exodus But here we are looking at this, and how did Mount Sinai appear to Moses and the Israelites? Fire of God. Fire of God? It was was really a very scary thing, wasn't it? What they heard and what they saw. It was the, the presence of God came down on the mountain, and he spoke, and it was like, Best description we have anyway, it'd be like thunder. And it was just a terrifying sight and a terrifying sound for them. And it would be, I imagine, for any of us to be in that kind of presence, that kind of power. Does anybody have anything else on that? All right. So next, if we look at Hebrews 12, verses 22 through 24, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the, live, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. And so in this comparison, because that's what we're doing, we're making a comparison between Mount Sinai and Zion, to what have we come in question number seven? And there's a lot of things, so there's a lot of answers. Well, one thing we have come to, we've come to Mount, huh? Go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. I was going to say one thing we came to was the mountain of Zion and the city of the living God. We've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, right? Right? And the heavenly Jerusalem. We're looking forward to the heavenly Jerusalem, right? And we come to God, the judge of all. And I mean, just the verses really list it out. So, you know, an innumerable company of angels, 
spirits of just men made perfect because then we can be made perfect. Not that we're perfect now, of course. Yes. Right. When you compare the two, there is a great deal of difference in the first being terrifying and scary and just that power. And you, you had to be at a distance. They had to stay at a distance. If anyone or anything touched the mountain, it was to be killed, whether stoned or shot with an arrow, either way. And, uh, and yet here, you're actually being invited in, welcomed in. God wants us all there. It's, it is a total difference. In that, there's a there's a lot of difference, but that's a big big part of it. I really like verse twenty four to see Jesus a mediator of a new covenant. That that is so reassuring. Right to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, because he's going. If you read in, if you read in Revelation, I mean, he's going to be there with us. He's going to guide us, you know, and just like a. Well, and like he said, he goes to prepare a place, and if he wasn't going to come back, he wouldn't do that. So he's going to come back and take us and guide us, even there. Does anybody have anything else on that? I mean, we probably didn't mention everything, but that's that's most everything. The General Assembly, Church of the Firstborn, and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better. Yes? Right. Right. And that's how, well, that's how inviting that God is being to us. And the sprinkling, of course, that's the blood that cleanses us, right? That cleanses us so that we can go and be with the Lord and be with God and, and go to the new Jerusalem in the end. Does anyone have anything else? All right. So if we move along, looking at uh, verses... Verses 25 through 29. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire." 
So we want to look at question eight here, and we list that we want to list four reasons that we should not refuse him who speaks from heaven. Yes, ma'am. His judgment is sure, and we should be grateful for receiving, uh, and that his kingdom cannot be shaken. Right. And that God is the fire. That's how I got it. I'm not sure if that's the word we're supposed to get. Well, God is a consuming fire, and his kingdom, you know, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. He's going to have one more shaking, and everything that's there will not be shaken any longer, right? So we are receiving that kingdom which cannot be shaken. So that's, and then, I'm sorry, I don't want to go on if I'm going to interrupt anybody. Does anybody have anything before? He keeps his promises, and um, it also says that you cannot escape from him. And knowing that he keeps his word, there's no escape. Right. So knowing that there's... Knowing that he keeps his word, there's no escape from judgment. Right, right. And But we can have grace. The, the focus here was we can have grace by which to serve God with reverence and godly fear, right? And I mean, godly fear is reverence and awe at that power. When you look at the original comparison we were doing just a few minutes ago, if you look at Mount Sinai, yeah, we should be in awe and reverence of that, that power and that might. But at the same time, he is loving and full of grace for us and extending that grace to us. Does anybody have anything else before we move on? All right. So we'll move on to chapter 13. Now, chapter 13, this is the conclusion of Hebrews. I will get some books and everything ready for us, even if we're not quite there yet. I'll get everything ready for us to start James after this. So I'll do that this week. But uh, chapter 13, just reading the, the heading here, the epistle concludes with miscellaneous moral and religious exhortations. And uh, basically he's breaking it into two parts here, how we should live as Christians in the first part and how God makes us complete in every good work. And if we look at the first review question, which is the main points of the chapter, which really he just stated, it's moral and religious exhortations in verses 1 through 19. And then a benediction, final exhortation and farewell. It's the closing of the letter in verses 20 through 25. So let's start with the first few verses of the chapter here. I'll read uh, verses 1 through 6. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, 
The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So if we look at that and we look at question two, if we list the moral exhortations that he's telling us in these first verses, does anybody want to start listing those? Yes, ma'am. Let brotherly love continue, right? Entertain strangers. It says entertain strangers, right? So we could be unwittingly entertaining angels. We don't know. Be content with what we have. Do not be covetous or greedy, right? The honor of marriage, remembering the honor, remember to, marriage is honorable among all, so remember to keep that honorable. And avoid greed, right? Do not covet. And then the last thing, the only thing we haven't mentioned is uh, remember the prisoners, right? We have to have grace and mercy towards those who are prisoners. And you can look at that in both a physical and a spiritual way. Anyone who's not in Christ, they are a prisoner of something. They are a prisoner. Well, they're a prisoner of Satan, really, even if they don't know it. So it's just something to think about. So we need to remember, and, uh, and that's, you know, a lot of this goes together with brotherly love and caring for others. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's right. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do anyone have anything? Yes, I'm sorry. Um, is it possible that we can look at the uh, imprisonment and the suffering in a physical way that someone is imprisoned in a way that their physical health keeps them from living and being active in the things that they have been doing in serving in the kingdom versus being sort of trapped and maybe going through a season of healing, whether it's from, a, I don't know, a broken body part or... Right, so if you, if you look at those who are trapped or imprisoned by sickness or something like that where like you're saying they're they're really sick or they have something broken or they cannot you know they're trapped in that sense i don't see why you can't look at it that way as well since it says since you yourselves are in the body meaning we also could have such issues um we could be wrong i mean realistically we could be wrongly imprisoned we could be you know in like you're talking about have a ailment that basically what do you call it housebound basically you're homebound or you can't get around or you can't end up in a, a nursing home or whatever you know well if you've had a stroke that's a form of imprisonment within your own body so, so that could well be yes yes thinking of today and the people in Ukraine it's like they're in prison in the fact that they can't do what they want to do. They're not free to do what they want to do. They're imprisoned in that way. 
in a way, they are imprisoned. They're being assaulted. The only thing we can do right now is pray for them. And people are setting up means to financially help them, but it's how are they going to get it, you know, because the ones that are trapped in their basements, how are they going to get those? Yeah, how would we get things to them? Because the people in Ukraine are facing a kind of imprisonment. And if Russia wins out, that would that could be, you could look at that as a form of imprisonment. They'll be stuck under Russian rule, whether they want it or not. I know when uh, Paul and Silas were in prison, the church prayed for them. And the prison doors were open. So prayer has, is very strong. Prayer is very strong. They prayed they prayed and sang songs themselves, didn't they? And so I mean prayer is very strong. And we should pray for the folks in Ukraine and other places in the world facing things like that. Does anyone have anything else? Yes, surely. That brings up a question for me. Okay. A lot. And yes, I pray. Mm -hmm. I pray all the time for them. But then I'm thinking, yes, we should pray for them. But their religion is, how do I want to say this? They do not have the religion that we have. Some of them may not be Christians, right? And, and it truly is all in God's hands. He's letting this happen. And there, I question whether, in my own mind, I question, I question that. Well, there is a verse. It's right for them to have a change of heart. The same right. way with Russia's dictator. Right. I think when we pray, because there is, there is a verse that tells us to pray for all men, and we should pray for all men. Because we want them to come to God as well. Um, we may not know specifically. I don't even know someone down the street well enough to know specifically what to pray for them. But still, we're encouraged to pray even for all men. Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, I, I think she's referring to the Eastern Orthodox Church, which I think is prevalent there. But, but there are... Um, there are those who have gone after the fall of communism. There are those who have gone in and established churches of Christ there. And there are people that we would identify with as brothers and sisters in the, in the clearest sense that, that are struggling there. And um, I've, I've heard that not, not that many years ago, there were more churches of Christ in Ukraine than the rest of Europe. No. So, so I don't know. That's something to keep in mind. But I mean, not, not to take away your point, we should pray for everyone. So, and he's just saying that there are, you know, due to missionary work, there are churches of Christ there, and there are brethren that we would consider brethren even within the banner of Church of Christ. I would say that the idea of brethren goes beyond that, but still, even if you don't, that's fine. There are still people there that would be a part of God's children, that would be a part of God's family. And there's a lot of people, we should always look at everybody as a possible a possible person that could come into the family of God. They're all children of God, they just don't know it. But that's another thing. Well, the only thing you see on TV, too, is whenever they, on the news, they're just showing the Catholic Church. 
their Catholic church, or not whatever Catholic they are, in the robes and all the hoopla that goes with the Catholic religion. That's what we see as Christian on TV. We right. don't see anyone else. So we, we think, well, those people aren't really Christians because look what they're practicing, look what they're believing. Yeah, I guess we do see a lot of Catholicism yeah, on TV, don't we? I guess we do see a lot of that. Jimmy? Yeah. And, uh, just before the war started, there was there was a thing on, on TV. There was a Church of Christ that was uh, their basement. They were bringing in uh, bandages and all those kind of supplies that they thought they would need for first aid. And uh, that, was a, that was a person... Uh, Church of Christ, and that's the way they were supplying it. So, so yes, there's uh, brothers and sisters of ours there. Right. Okay. So, yeah, there's definitely brothers and sisters over there. I would imagine there are people of God's family in every nation. But yes, Pat. I know a lot of people are available to Facebook on um, the computers, but that's where I'm getting my information, and probably Matthew too. Um, but there are churches there. And they are suffering, and uh, they're trying to protect them as much as they can, like putting them in the basement. And they are taking people other than members of the church, I'm sure, and giving them uh, a place to stay, too. But um, God's church is um, always there. We may not know where it's at, but it, it's not... His word will not come back void to him, and it will always prevail. Right. There's, God's people are everywhere throughout the world. Yes? Uh, part of my prayers have been that people who have not turned to the Lord, that this situation that they are facing and this crisis, that it will kind of wake them up in a way to turn to God, knowing that their time on this earth may be very short. And another part of our prayers is to be able to pray for our enemies and the the uh, evildoer that is causing the attack, and pray that that person or that power might turn away from that and that this threat and this uh, conflict with them. Right. We should pray for all of them, even even our enemies, even the Russians, that oh, yes. they should turn to God and you know be saved and, and relent from that. That should be a part of our prayers as well. Yes, yeah, surely then. So we need to pray for the believers and the non-believers. Yes. Both. Yes. And that God sort it out. Well, in the end, he's going to, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the Lord's going to judge everybody. So, so yes. Um, there's only so much we can do, and I, I'm not going to get political about all the conflicts in the world so i mean there's only so much that we can do but as an individual as a person our responsibility is still to pray for everyone and to do what we can and yes sometimes that means kind of vague prayers because like i said we don't know what everybody in the world needs but still we're supposed to and i, I believe that there is always power in those prayers so does anybody have anything else Yes, sure. Yeah, going back to the main points okay. of the chapter. Um, <clears throat> we, um, the Lord is our helper, 
And we as individuals, when we go through trials and tribulations, we should be very bold in saying, the Lord helped me through this. First and foremost, the Lord has helped me get through this illness. Whatever it may be, you need to give him the credit first. He is the great physician. Yep. And um, that in itself, when you when you live with a non-believer, you have to well, you go through many things. And I tried to always, uh, through some of my major illnesses, I tried to point out to Donald that God was the physician. First of all, it was through his blessings that I survived. And I think in that verse 6 tells us that we are to boldly say the Lord is my helper. Right. And that's an excellent point to make, actually, that uh, we should boldly say and we should always give the Lord the credit for being our helper, for bringing us through all these trials that we go through here on this earth. That's true. And he'll bring you through a lot, believe me. Yes. Yes. And I know some people have gone through more than others and they know firsthand a lot about those things. And definitely that's a great point. And I appreciate that because... We should really focus on that and, and make sure that we are being bold and always giving God the credit for what he's done. Do you want to have anything else? Well, you know, I think there's almost everyone in here, one way or the other, have had problems that have been so heavy and so hard on them that without God and going to him and asking for these help, we wouldn't have been able to make it through spiritually or physically, I think, some of these things. Right. It would be, I don't know how other people in the world manage, but yeah, it would be very difficult to get through all the things in life that we, we go through, that we face, without being able to go to God. Yeah. Without knowing He's there for us. That's what gives me strength. And, and I watched Dan Morehouse, you know, he's just a new Christian, but even with all the things he's been through with that open heart surgery and now disinfection thing, he's just anxious to be part of the church again. And you know, and, and you can see in the, when you talk to him, uh, he knows he's got God helping through these things and he couldn't understand what why it happened to him. Right. And he talks about it a lot, you know, so that's is an example of someone who, even though he may be young in the faith and so on and so forth, he still has God to look through and, and getting through whatever he's going to have to go through. Sometimes being new in the faith is actually a blessing of its own because you, you're really looking at things in a very fundamental way that's not necessarily a bad thing. So it's good that he looks at it that way and he's thankful that God's taking him through it. Did you have something, Judy? You know, I just said, we've been through so much. That, right. Uh, and anyone has, I know there's others here that's been through a lot. Yeah. And just to stand on his, uh, <laughs> stand on his strength, I guess, and his blessings, and you just, you, you can feel it. It's there. 
Right. You can trust in God and, and know that He's there with you. It is. Yeah. There's a song standing on the promises. Yes. And you've got to stand on those promises that God gave you. We do need to stand on. That's why we need to know His Word. We need to know what He's promised us, so that we know we can what we can stand on. We know what we can rely on. We know what He provides and does for us. Right? He's there. Yes, He's there. Yes, Anna. I miss the service so Right. Nothing is better than gathering together with the others, the other saints, to to praise God and and just be a part of His family. Right. I appreciate that. Well, that's what strengthens us. That's the reason we have the church is to be part of something. Right. Someone, so we can have that strength. We are to comfort, strengthen, lift each other up. That's that's our duty to one another. Right. To love and care. The last night, if you read the last night where Jesus is with the disciples, he tells them to love one another so many times. I know I spoke about that before, but he tells them that so many times. And it's it's very strong and meaningful when you think about that. That's the last thing he was really stressing to them. So it's very important. And what comforts me is that you and I can this more than what Mary is Well, yes, he will not tempt us more or we are not tempted by more than we are able to bear. And really, it also says, right, that, that we're not tempted with anything different than anyone else. Or maybe it's different, but it's not any worse. You know what I mean? Different people have different things that may have maybe different temptations, but they're not. Um, the strength of that is not really any different for any different. <laughs> to me, difference for each individual person. But uh, sorry, that probably sounded a little confusing. But but yes, your point is well made. That he does not, we do not have any temptation that we are not able to bear. That's the main thing. All right. Well, I think we're at the end of our class here. Unless anybody has any last thing they want to say. All right. So let's see. We really didn't. We kind of did. We kind of answered number three, even though we didn't formally uh, ask that. So I'll say that we'll pick up, we'll just review number three next week when we get back, okay? All right. Thank you for your time and your attention.